Hi, everyone. Welcome to Meet the Rocketopolis. I'm Yes Like Rocketopolis. And I'm Lance Rocketopolis. So we're still working on the worldview episode, but for the next couple of episodes, we're going to be talking about seduction and Robert Greene's book, The Art of Seduction, to see if we can find aspects of his research that could assist us in finding me more partners for 24-7 TPE. So what role could seduction play in a 24-7 TPE relationship? Technically, the master tells the slave what to do, and the slave obeys. And there can be consequences of varying kinds if the slave doesn't obey. Over the years, I've talked to people who claim to have a 24-7 dynamic that is strictly about obedience. No romance, no affection just the giving and taking of commands. On the other hand, I recently met a guy who just wanted to have the shit beat out of him. Just that. No hard-on, no service of any kind, just the beating for free, right? Supposedly all the women were just doing that for free. And of course, this guy had promised me that he was really into 24-7 TPE. So people will say what they want to say. But I've also talked to a few male subs who enjoy cleaning Dom's houses as an act of service, and sometimes they might want to do it naked or maybe in a French maid uniform or some other kind of feminizing clothing, and the Dom isn't necessarily involved in the scene that the sub is engaging in at her house. The Dom is basically enabling the sub to have an experience that doesn't involve the presence or the need for the presence of the dom. I'd be curious to know if the sub wanted to have the relationship progress into something more real. So it's just a role-playing session or even several sessions. Like how can they dom and or sub by that being the extent of what's going on over the long run? Um, I really don't know what people do in their homes, but I do know what I've been told, Mm -hmm. right? That in fact, men will just go into women's homes and clean them up for them. um, And that is the extent of their relationship. Yeah, it's just curious to me because I don't see that being an intimate relationship at all. Right. Well, intimacy isn't always, you know, on someone's mind when they're seeking a dom. But regardless, obviously, we do 24-7 TPE very differently. Our power exchange dynamic does profoundly influence how we live our life together. And that means that I tell him what to do, and he does it. There's not a lot of ambiguity about our roles, and especially about who's in charge. As soon as I knew that was a thing back in the day, 10 years or so ago, I went straight to TPE because I saw that in a TPE dynamic, ambiguity about power in the relationship would be greatly reduced. And so far, it's worked out pretty well. Not perfectly all the time, but I think it's safe to say that our dynamic is still very much intact. In general, the only time that we do have conflict is when that 
ambiguity is there when I'm not feeling controlled or when I feel like I have to be in control. When you feel like you have to be in control. Correct. And yet there are also elements of seduction that do introduce nuance and more layers to our relationship. For example, Lance seduces me with food. I'm very oral and I really love food. And he's a good cook, and a lot of what he cooks is comfort food, which is very hard for me to resist. The previous weekend, I made the unpardonable sin of not having bagels at Thready. And to make it worse, I was very focused on preparing my stinky smoked whitefish. Um, Yislike was very disappointed and concerned that I was only concerned about myself and not thinking about her, when in reality, I had all the other items at the ready and I was going to prepare her breakfast, it did spark a bit of a heated discussion about me taking her into consideration. I did get butthurt about that because I felt like she didn't trust me. Uh, I thought that he cared more about the fish than he cared about me, whatever. Regardless, trust is very important to us. Lance also seduces me with touch skin-to-skin contact. He's warm and snuggly and also pretty muscly. He has a really sweet smile that can melt my resistance whether he's trying to do that or not. And then there's also all of the everyday power exchange protocols that we use. When he calls me master, when he asks me what I want for dinner, when he brings me coffee in bed at five in the morning, which is not when he normally gets up. These domestic protocols really seem to help keep that erotic energy thrumming throughout the day. Yes, I would agree with that. Also, how you seduce me is by your physical touch, the physical attention that you pay to me. And of course, thank you for very much for the compliment. I do love you commenting on my physique. Are critical comments about your physique seductive? Or is it mainly just the compliments? I hope I can take constructive criticism fairly well, but compliments are always more welcome. The biggest thing that you do that seduces me is using me for sex, either wanting oral sex or pegging me or beating me in a very vigorous way for a very long time for your own sadistic pleasure. That's what really gets me going. I love that feeling of being used. You also have an adventurous spirit that I find um, seductive. I like the fact that you got me into hiking and kayaking. You're also a bit of a rule breaker, and that's always exciting, if not a bit frightening at times. For example, she had me get naked on a hike uh, during the winter, and she buried me in snow. And you got to understand this is the Boulder area so that there are always tons of people around, even in the dead of winter. So there was a very high probability of me getting caught totally naked. You also bring interesting topics for us to talk about. Anything from rhetoric, philosophy, natural sciences, especially geology and riverine systems, something that I'm interested in talking about. And, of course, gender and age-related issues. You also use me to do your bidding and 
just giving me the opportunity to serve you in a way is very sexy, even though it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual. So those are all very positive elements of our relationship that essentially keep our flame alive. But as I may have mentioned once or twice, I do like men and I can be a little greedy for love and attention. And so with Lance's unfailing moral support, thanks largely to his unfailing compersion hard-on, we're going to try out strategies from the Robert Greene book, The Art of Seduction. Robert Greene is a popular author who writes about power and how it's deployed in a variety of different social and political and interpersonal contexts. In one interview, he said that he actually wrote these books to help people defend themselves against the strategies that he was discussing. Mm, that, that's key, very curious because I was looking through his book and I was looking for some kind of discussion on um, like the positive aspects of it. And it seemed to me like a very dark book and very like using manipulation and evil techniques to get people to do what you want them to do. Yeah. And of course, what actually happened was that people bought the books in the hope that they would be able to use the strategies for their own nefarious purposes. So seduction is basically a sneaky form of coercion that works through making the target feel good, maybe physically and emotionally, in order for the seducer to get what they want, which is often sex. Yes, according to Green, there are two elements in this dance of seduction, the seducer and the one being seduced. So you have to understand yourself and understand what is seductive about yourself. Highlight those elements. You also have to know the person you are trying to seduce and what they find seductive. He calls it penetrating their defenses in order to cause surrender, which really resonates with me because as a slave type, that's exactly what I'm looking for. You have to first surrender. So we will talk about what we find seductive about ourselves and in each other in the context of his framework. And we'll also talk about ourselves as the targets of seduction, whom Green refers to as victims. Yeah, we won't go through each type of seducer and victim point by point. We'll just focus on the types that pertain to us. It's a rather lengthy book. So first, we'll read Green's definition of these types, and then we'll discuss why we think that type suits us. So I'll start as the seducer. The first type I partly identify with is the siren or mermaid. So here's Green's definition of the siren. A man is often secretly oppressed by the role he has to play, by always having to be responsible, in control, and rational. The siren is the ultimate male fantasy figure because she offers a total release from the limitations of his life. In her presence, which is always heightened and sexually charged, the male feels transported to a realm of pure pleasure. In a world where women are often too timid to project such an image, learn to take control of the male libido by embodying this fantasy. 
Yeah, the siren is a big, big draw for me. There is this clarity in this form of relationship, a power exchange relationship. And that freedom comes from the fact that you no longer have to make decisions by giving up control. And that is so relaxing and I'd say comforting. It may be naive for me to think that, but that is the hope and what I find attractive and why TPE relationships are so appealing. And I just want to mention that one of the reasons why I like Robert Greene is because he's very humanities focused. He's never really using sources from psychology or sociology. He's using sources from history and philosophy throughout time. And literature. Yeah. And The Siren is, of course, from Homer's The Odyssey. And she's actually really dangerous in that story. The sirens lure men to their deaths with their seductive voices. And in the Odyssey, Odysseus is prepared and he gives the men wax to put in their ears so that they won't fall prey to the sirens' murderous intentions. Yeah, even when I saw a movie about the Odyssey in my youth, I thought it was like a cautionary tale of the seductive power of women that they have over men. Another interesting type is the ideal lover. And here's the synopsis. Most people have dreams in their youth that get shattered or worn down with age. They find themselves disappointed by people, events, reality, which can't match their youthful ideals. Ideal lovers thrive on people's broken dreams, which become lifelong fantasies. You long for romance, adventure, lofty spiritual communion. The ideal lover reflects your fantasy. He or she is an artist in creating the illusion you require. In a world of disenchantment and baseness, there is limitless seductive power in following the path of the ideal lover. Mm -hmm. I've had the desire or dream for a femdom relationship for a very long time. I've always felt like I've been preparing myself for this my whole life. I've been constantly testing myself, getting fit, educated, preparing myself for service. So for me, you are the ideal lover. Um, the next type is the natural. Childhood is the golden paradise we are always consciously or unconsciously trying to recreate. The natural embodies the longed-for qualities of childhood, spontaneity, sincerity, unpretentiousness. In the presence of naturals, we feel at ease, caught up in their playful spirit, transported back to the golden age. Adopt the pose of the natural to neutralize people's defensiveness and infect them with helpless delight. So spontaneity is something that I enjoy a lot in our relationship, especially when it comes to kinky play. For example, sometimes I'll take a bit of food from Lance's plate and chew it up and then spit it back on his plate and make him eat it. That's a pretty spontaneous act, wouldn't you say? And it's also, as crazy as it may sound, it's so loving. It's always great, and I'm always shocked, but very thankful when you come up with innovative ways to test my obedience. Blind obedience is something I'm trying to achieve, and 
I'm trying to remove my defensiveness. It would be of great comfort to me, but this is one of the more difficult things to overcome. I want to achieve that joy that comes from like a carefree spirit of, say, like a child playing Simon Says. Another seductive type is the rake. A woman never quite feels desired and appreciated enough. She wants attention. But a man is too often distracted and unresponsive. The rake is a great female fantasy figure. When he desires a woman, brief though that moment may be, he will go to the ends of the earth for her. He may be disloyal, dishonest, and amoral, but that only adds to his appeal. Stir a woman's repressed longing by adapting the rake's mix of danger and pleasure. So I never would have thought of myself as having the traits of a rake. You do, most definitely. I mean, you seduced me literally in the alley of Longmont on one cold St. Patrick's Day. Um, It was very wanton and sexy. We basically had sex in a public place that had a very high probability of of us getting caught. You also mentioned that she was a dominatrix at a recent Christmas party that we went to. To a bunch of psychologists, no less. It was like a total non sequitur. Right. And to be clear, I told a bunch of psychologists that I was a dominatrix, just to keep the grammar right. <laughs> and that's just the sort of sexy, inappropriate thing a rake would say. Reminding me very much of the racy things that Russell Brand used to say on public TV. So I do think that you embody the spirit of the rake or even scoundrel. Really? You think I'm like Russell Brand? Sometimes. Not all all the time. Maybe I should be more like him. Mm -hmm. So this concludes part one of our seduction discussion. In our next episode, we'll continue our discussion of Robert Greene's seductive personality types to see how much we may or may not fit into those types. So thank you very much for joining us today and have a great week.